Well, today was an easy choice for intro songs for uh, the post-game show. Sound of Silence by usually, originally Simon and Garfunkel, but decided to go with the disturbed version because, well, quite frankly, I'm, I'm pretty disturbed at uh, what's going on. And uh, Hello Darkness, My Old Friend is the uh, common theme when you think about the Cleveland Browns. Uh, welcome in, everybody. Uh, I'm Dan from LOTL. Alongside, as, as always, is Steven Stefano. Steven, how are you? I'm disturbed. You know, I asked that I asked that last week, and you like stared at me like, "Why the hell would you ask me that question?" <clears throat> well, you know, it's just it is what it is, you know. Yeah. Uh, here is uh, what I need to uh, play for myself after asking that question. Stupid idiot. Yeah, and uh, I'm gonna go ahead and put myself on the list. You just made the list. See, I should have just come in and I should have just been like all, you know, happy and, and you know, bringing good vibes and everything. In it. But the thing is, I'm just not a good actor, so I'm not even going to try that. Yeah, so uh, also if you hear uh, loud noises and people yelling downstairs, uh, there's a Christmas party going on in the apartment uh, below me. So uh, we've got that going on. So I guess some people have a reason to at least try to get happy right now. Ugh. Well, anyway, uh, enough dilly-dallying. Uh, Browns losers today to the Baltimore Ravens, officially extinguishing any playoff chance uh, that they have. We're going to go through the rest of the games that uh, happened and uh, lament the fact that everything that the Browns needed to happen today did happen, except for the fact that they couldn't take care of their own business uh, on the football field. So we'll get into that later, as we said. But Browns lose today to the Ravens, 31-15. to Um yeah, if the Browns would have won one or two more games earlier in the season. I mean, today would have been literally Christmas for us. I well, mean, we just everything would have just fallen into place. We just got done talking about it before we started, and uh, I, I said the Browns should should have with everything that's gone on this season. I think the Browns should have at at the very least been eight and six entering today's uh, play. In which case, you lose today's game, you're eight and seven, and all you have to do is. Uh, beat the Bengals next week, and you're nine and seven, and you're in the playoffs virtue of uh, having the tiebreaker over all the other teams. So, uh, but ultimately, Browns can get it done. Um, I think Steve and I, based on our text conversations and our group chats during the game, have a little bit of varying uh, difference of opinion on exactly why today happened. Um, so we'll get into that. I think it's it's going to be a uh, Similar conversation that we had last week uh, after the Arizona loss, but we'll talk about that. And uh, yeah, let's get uh, let's get right into it. So <clears throat> I thought the Browns actually came out today and started the game off really well. They absolutely did. I mean, for the first twenty eight minutes of the game, um, the Browns. I mean, they they left a few plays on the field on offense. I felt like particularly with some of the deep shots they didn't hit, but. I mean, other than that, they defensively they played awesome. Um, offensively, they did enough, and you know you're you're up by six with two minutes left in the half. 
everything seemed to be going almost according to plan. The Ravens looked a little bit off. They, you know, Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram, they had a turnover when they couldn't get the, the exchange right. Yep. You know, they looked out of sync. You know, there were a lot of similarities between that first game and, and, and this game. I mean, it, it was almost crying out, as we've said many times before, for the Browns to, you know, just start pounding the ball on the ground with Chubb uh, like they did in that first matchup. And then it just all just went wrong right before the, fir- the end of the first half. So what was interesting is, um, you know, up until, and we'll get into it, uh, whatever happened happened at the end of the first half, uh, you you started to think, you know, c- you know certain, certain teams and certain players always seem to have, like, that bugaboo against another certain team where it feels like no matter what they do, uh, they can't get over the hump over a certain team. And... Obviously, we know that the Baltimore Ravens haven't lost a game since week four when the Browns went into Baltimore and kicked the crap out of them. Mm-hmm. The way that this game started, it almost kind of made you think like, hey, uh, are the Browns like Lamar Jackson's kryptonite because he's made everybody else look terrible. And yet, uh, through almost six quarters this year, the Browns have made Lamar Jackson look pretty pedestrian. Yeah. I mean, really... It- <coughs> You, you'd be naive to really get too far ahead of yourself just because of the fact that the Ravens are able to score a bunch and score quickly. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, really, the, the, you know, the Browns had the ball. You know, late in the first half, they, they, the Ravens had not scored in the game. Everything was just almost too good to be true, actually. Yeah. Um, I had said on text message before the game that I, expect, I kind of expected Baltimore to not be great today. The Browns had won four in a, in a row at home. They had beat them the first time this season. Um, you and pretty much everybody else, literally everybody I had talked to, they thought that the Browns were going to get crushed today. But really, through 28 minutes, the game was proceeding almost how I kind of thought it was going to, almost better than I expected, because I right. wasn't sure the Browns would actually be winning. Right. Um, I mean, whether the Browns are going to win this game or not, you kind of you kind of thought, and eventually it did get there, but you kind of thought that the Browns would need to get into the 30s to win the game points-wise, and ultimately that ended up being the case. But, you know, up until the disaster of the two final two minutes of the first half, they shut, had been shutting out the Ravens. You know, I think where we're going to diverge on opinion is actually after this, but I, we definitely agree that the third down and one call right before the two-minute warning was an awful call. Oh. They decided to pitch out the Kareem Hunt and try a, a running back pass to the tight end and the tight end was double covered down the field and you also had well, the two Raven, guys the shooting through the gap flat right out the Ravens didn't bite so they, they didn't bite and they just played the, the play as though it was going to be a run anyway right. and there was just nowhere to go honestly lucky that Hunt didn't have the ball knocked out of his hand and returned oh, yeah. to a touchdown right. I mean, that could have even right. been worse than it was because he was because he was in the process of you know he was he was about to throw the ball and then I think he he kind of clutched the ball back when he realized that Demetrius Harris was double covered down the field. And he's like, if I throw this ball, it's going to get intercepted. Tony Romo actually had a great call on this play because he said that the way Hunt was holding the ball high above his head, it was almost yeah. like, you know, the older brother, like, trying to keep it away from, like, the little, yeah. younger brother. Like, ha-ha, you know, you can't, you can't get the ball from me. I mean, that's literally what it looked like. <clears throat> here's, here's, here's my issue, and, uh, you know, this play's a good example. To me... That play, and Freddie Kitchen said after the game in his post-game press conference, he said, "Yeah, we called that play on third and one because we knew that if it, you know, if 
it didn't work, if it was incomplete, or we got tackled at the line of scrimmage, we were going to go for it on fourth and one anyway. Well, here's the thing. When you're playing a team as good as the Ravens have been this year, and uh, at, you have almost zero margin for error. So why call a trick play on third and one when, if you said if it didn't work, you were going to go for it on fourth and one? So Kitchens said they were going to go for it on fourth down. Why didn't they just run it on third down? Exactly. Yeah, right. I, it, that doesn't make any sense because, you know, all you need is one yard. You run it, you get it. If you don't get it, you know, chances are you're not going to lose more than one or two. And then you, you know, I don't know, maybe you go and throw it on the next play. Or if it's fourth and one, you just run it again. Yeah, see, this is this is my point is, uh, and, and you said it, and, and we'll talk about the end of the first half. That That's, that's where we have a lot of uh, point of uh, difference of opinion. But I, I, get, I get the philosophy of being aggressive. I don't get the philosophy of being ag- aggressive to the point of being reckless, and that's what that was. That was completely reckless. Mm-hmm. If you're playing Cincinnati, if you're playing Miami, if you're playing who were the other really bad teams, the Detroit Lions, you can get away with doing that. You cannot get away with doing that sort of nonsense against – uh, the best team in the NFL. Not easily. Or if you're gonna, sure. or if you're gonna do that play, run it on the first drive of the game when it's first and ten. You could pull out a play like that right at the start <coughs> for sure. Or not, on the first not, drive of the second half. Not third something. and one in a crucial point of the game. No, last play before the two minute warning. Yeah. So then, because of that, obviously we have to punt the ball. Okay. Not the worst thing in the world. Yeah. You, know, punt the ball. you put the ball back in. Ravens took the ball over on between their 20 and right. their 25, I think. But what happened after that was the worst. Because I don't know what happened on a couple of the. The, the first play uh, was just a great play by Lamar Jackson. I mean, there's no other way around it. It was a great play. It was a great throw. The second play, how, how a tight end got wide open for a 40 yard touchdown, I will never understand. Literally, you had the safety. You know, and then you had one of the corners. The corner was over top of Mark Andrews, and Andrews runs out. The corner goes out toward the sideline. The safety goes into the middle of the field, and literally nobody picks up the tight end just running straight down, straight up the seam, just outside the the hash marks. It just straight it's up unbelievable. How does that even happen? Like that shouldn't happen in pee wee football, much less the NFL. Like. No. So uh, we're watching it right now. Here's the play design right here. Watch Demarius Randall. Where is he going? Really nowhere. It looks like he's trying to double cover the the wide receiver on the right, who's running an underneath route. You mean on the left? Yeah. Or here? That's Demarius Randall right there. Oh yeah, he must have been the safety. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, so that happens. Whatever. Fine. You think? Okay. Obviously, we're not going to shut out the Ravens. So if they pop one, they pop one. It's going to happen. <clears throat> Seven to six, right? So the Browns get the ball, and here comes our our point of uh, uh, difference of opinion. Browns get the ball back. There's what a minute and twenty five. Minute and left. eighteen seconds. They got the ball back with. They, they yep. get it on the twenty five. It's first down. First down. They have two timeouts. Ravens have no timeouts. Yeah, no timeouts for the Ravens. So the Browns go. Boom, pass, first down, incomplete. Boom, pass, second down, incomplete. Boom, pass, third down, incomplete. 
And after the game, I don't know if this is going to change your opinion or not, <clears throat> but Freddie Kitchen said uh, in the post game that two of those pass plays were specific uh, five yard out pass routes. Well, he threw deep on first down. Right. Second down got batted down at the line. And mm-hmm. third down, I third believe. Third down was also bad. Same thing. Yeah. So here, here, here's here's where I here's where I differ. And I don't know if this changes your opinion or not. Um, you said you liked the fact that he was aggressive, trying to push the ball, trying to score, trying to win the game. My contention is, if Baltimore had three timeouts, fine, do that because you're not going to waste any time because it, it, if you if you ran the ball. Baltimore just called their timeouts and they'd have that time remaining anyway. There's there's an opportunity to be aggressive without, again, being reckless. I think throwing the ball three straight times on that drive, going three and out, obviously the objective is not to go three and out, but you run that risk when you throw three straight times. Throwing three straight times uh, to be aggressive is reckless to me. One of those two plays, either on first down or second down, should have been a run. Absolutely, 100%. See, I completely disagree with that. I think you had to be really <coughs> aggressive in this situation because you weren't getting the ball out of out of half. You, the Ravens were going to get the first possession in the second half. You just fell behind. You you know that your defense is not going to hold the Ravens out much, you know, much of the second half. You're going to have to score points. You want to get the lead back before the half. If now you could make a case that they maybe should have given up and run the ball on third down and given it back to the Ravens with only like 15 seconds left after they failed on first and second down, but if you would have just run the ball on first or second down and then you know the clock would have just bled out, I really think that people would have been hypercritical of Kitchens for being too conservative in that situation. Well, no, here's the thing if you run the ball on first and second down and then you go back to throwing with less time left while the Browns still had timeouts, so. Time time was not, for the Browns on offense, with timeouts left, time was not an issue, even if they ran the ball and ran the clock down. It really wasn't. I don't know about that. It wasn't. It's not often you see teams just go down and score in less than a minute. Okay, so then why why should, should the Browns have been aggressive and tried that if you don't think that they could have done it? I think that if you have negative plays... If you have a situation where you, honestly, if they would have run it on that first down and gotten no yards, I think they would have just tanked and, and just run it into halftime. I mean, good, and that would have been a hell of a lot better than what happened. Yeah, but you know what? That's just such a very negative philosophy. If you, if you're if basically you'd be playing not to lose at that point. I mean, it's just like you're not thinking, oh, well, if we give the ball back to them they're going to go down and score a touchdown less than 40 seconds with no timeouts. If you're thinking that negatively, well, then you've the already thing. lost the game. <clears throat> well, here's the thing. It's already happened to the Browns uh, before this season, and it actually played out to be almost very similar to what happened against Seattle uh, earlier this season and where that sequence of plays ended up costing us the game. And the Browns didn't recover today from Baltimore scoring two touchdowns within a minute uh, of each other. The Browns on those three plays, on those three pass plays, took 16 seconds off the clock. And even in that scenario... Baltimore scored two touchdowns within two minutes of the first half ending with no timeouts. But whose fault is that? Are you really going to put that on the Browns' offense? I'm going to put that on the coach. 
I mean, the defense has got to make – all they need to do is really make one play. On I'm that, going on to that put that on the coach. Drive. They never should have been put in that situation. I guess we have nothing more to say on this issue because we have no consensus whatsoever. Well, so I, I, I just want to continue to talk about uh, my theme of today's episode, which is Freddie's recklessness. So you're talking about being being aggressive. So what the hell is he doing kicking a field goal in the third quarter to make it 21-9 to when that field goal ends up being utterly meaningless? That wasn't a very smart call. Yeah. That, that was a play that doesn't – it's a two-score game. It doesn't get you down to a one-score game. Maybe he didn't feel good about their odds converting the fourth down. They had been very poor on third and fourth down into the game up to that point. I, I, I get that, but, you know, it, that, yeah, that, was, again, that was too conservative a call in that yeah, situation. Yeah, but, but, but again, earlier we're talking about the Browns being aggressive and going for it, mainly because you're thinking it's going to be a shootout with the Ravens, so you're going to have to score pretty much every time you get the ball. So now when you kick the field goal, it makes it makes you think that, you have some sort of ridiculous faith that the defense is going to stop them so that you can get the ball back and score again to get closer. Like, I almost get the vibe that because the Browns got burned before halftime, that ended up changing their approach in the third quarter when they ended up kicking the field goal instead. But I, they just, you know, the negative vibe started to creep in by that point, and, and they decided to deviate from their game plan. Well, that's another re- that's another strike against Freddie Kitchens because if you're going to start out that way, I mean, hell or high water, stick with it. Should have gone for it. And then don't even get me started about later in the game when they actually did get in the end zone and had a chance to bring it to a one-score game and that freaking fool doesn't understand math and goes for two. And I don't want to hear about, oh, he called the right play and the guy was open and he just dropped the ball. It's reckless. It's 100% reckless to put your team in that situation to go for two when you don't have to. And if you don't get it, you're then two scores down. Dan, I'm going to surprise you here. Up to this point in the game, I had basically been basically been doing backflips and triple sal cows trying to defend Freddie Kitchens. Because I've been consistent from the start. I do not want this to <coughs> be fired after, after one year under any circumstance. But in that particular sequence... When the Browns are losing by, it was 21 to, well, no, it was uh, 24 to 9 at that point. Yep. They score a touchdown, which, by the way, they needed a, a flag on fourth down to even get a new set of downs oh, to be able to score God. that touchdown. Well, yeah. Because, which was embarrassing. Well, because here's another thing. Sorry to sidetrack you, but I'm going to point out every single thing that went wrong in that game. Mm-hmm. We go right down the field on a couple plays. Ricky Seals Jones, you know, bad luck. He got tackled at the one, couldn't get into the end zone. We rush the ball. We rush, 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 no huddle, no huddle, no huddle to the goal line yep. on first down and goal, and we throw a pass. Yeah, I, it's almost like we're trying to like outthink the Ravens and in, in doing so outsmarted ourselves. If they would have just snuck it or just turned around and handed it off, that would have been much better. Right, right. You get, if you're going to rush to the line, that means you don't – that means that – uh, the Ravens' front wouldn't be in position. Wouldn't you think that would be a perfect opportunity for Baker to just sneak it in? Right. Or at the very then least, he, just hand it off to Chubb? Then again, they did then hand it off to Chubb the next two plays, and that didn't work. Yeah, either. well, that's a little that's a little more predictable. When you throw a pass and you don't uh, – if you rush to the line, throw a pass on first down, you don't get it. So then the defense is thinking, oh, they're going to come back with a run now. 
and we lost yards on both both runs. I wish I knew the solution to the Browns' woes in the red zone. They have been terrible <coughs> in the red zone the entire season. But but getting back to the point, they finally do score the touchdown on the fade route to Beckham. 24-15. Up to this point again, I tried to excuse what Freddie did before the half. The field goal was less excusable, but again, you know, I'm I'm doing everything I can right. to try and make the case for this guy. Right. And then he goes and he commits the cardinal sin of football to yep. me, which is to go for two when you're losing by nine. Yep. That is such a staggeringly bad yep. grasp of basic math. Yep. And that you thing. just can't. I mean, really, an extra point makes it a, a one-score game, and instead you're you're chasing after points in the one situation where you absolutely cannot afford to do so. And here's the thing. Freddie almost could have won that uh, argument over in the postgame if he didn't trot Austin Seibert out to kick that field goal to make it 21-9. If he would have just said, well, hey, you know, we missed an extra point earlier in the game. I wanted to, you know, try and go for it there because saying without saying it, I, di- I don't trust my kicker. That goes out the window when you trot Austin Seibert out for a 40-some-yard field goal when you're down 21-6 to six to make it 21-9. to nine. Totally different scenario, too. If you're looking at 24-6, to six, it would have, you know, if you would have gone for it on fourth down and missed, you know, you get a touchdown there trying to make it from 12 to 10. It does make sense to go that, for two right. in that situation. Exactly. But when you're down nine, you cannot <coughs> go for two. No. Period. No. You can't. Even if you get it. Even if you get it, you're like, whoo, well, you know, I'm glad we got it, but that made no sense. Dan, I was, like, one of the last guys defending this guy. And I've been dragged kicking and screaming onto the Fire Freddy bandwagon right there. I'm I'm done with him. I I can't. I'm done. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. What was that? I'm done with Freddy Kitchens. You just... Uh, Freddie Kitchens, your time as head coach. It's out. He, it was. I, I think I wrote on text that was a Mike Jinks call in reference yeah. to Bowling Green's losing his coach in history, who got yeah. canned last year, yeah. who did the exact same thing on multiple occasions. So uh, here's the thing, and this is, and uh, you know, since we dragged you kicking and screaming, this is the number one reason. And my brother actually texted it in our text chain. Um, Freddie Kitchens has got to be the worst coach as far as game management I've ever seen in my life. And that's a prime example right there, is the fact that you don't understand how math works when it comes to the amount of scores that you'll need based on the the decisions that you make. He was bad at this at the beginning of the year, and he's not getting better. I could make the argument that he's getting worse. In general, it's a bad idea to go for two until you have to. And yes. there's a few coaches that are more progressive on it. Guys like well, John Harbaugh is one of them. Um, Chip Kelly is another. You know, <coughs> who, you know, they would often go for thing. two early in games. But early in just, games is one thing because trying to put pressure on have, the team. You have the entire game to make that up. But when it's in the fourth quarter, and you don't the, the clock is not on your side, especially with the, with an offense like Baltimore that churns out first downs like it's nobody's business. When you have the opportunity to make it a one-score game and you don't take it, it's a fireable offense in my opinion. You know, I if I was really on the fence, 
if I was in ownership's position on Kitchens and I saw that happen, that's the sort of thing that would make me want to just turn off his headset right then and there. I, seriously. I just don't know how the Browns can possibly sell to the fans about bringing this guy back and have any sort of fan optimism going into next year. It would all have to be all driven by player acquisitions and, and stuff done by the general manager. But that, that, I mean, that they it, tried it, to do that this year, and this guy screwed it all up. Maybe the players aren't as good as we think they are. Uh, I I disagree with that. But I mean, I guess we'll find out. If they do <coughs> fire Kitchens and get in a new coach, I guess we'll find out next year if they if they don't decide to blow everything up this offseason, which I'm really I'm still super scared they're going to do that. I don't think so. I don't think they're going to get rid of John Dorsey. But, see, I will say this. If they do decide to make a head coaching change, they better not hire a guy that doesn't have head coaching experience. Because I'm not going through this again where guys take timeouts in the wrong, at the wrong point of games and waste them so you don't have them at, at the end of games. When guys don't know how to manage the end of half and end of game situations, when guys don't know when to go for two and when not to go for two, when guys don't know who to play and who not to play, again, inexplicably, David Njoku's fully healthy. He's inactive for the game today. Why the hell is he not playing? Why? Why has Rashard Higgins not gotten any sort of run this year when he was one of Baker Mayfield's favorite receivers last year and a guy you can depend on? That drop that uh, Cardero Hodge had late in the game, I tweeted it. I said, I guarantee you Rashard Higgins put in that situation, catches that ball. What's going on with Rashard Higgins has been one of the great mysteries of this season. Uh, <coughs> the guy popped up just sparingly, most notably when he caught the winning touchdown against Buffalo. He hasn't had a catch um, since. It's just, you know, and some of the beat writers have been saying that he's just, you know, persona non grata in the Browns facility. And Why? He just I, nobody knows. What? Right? Why? Uh, the and apparently, is he's not going to be brought back. And apparently, David Njoku has has earned that same justi- uh, justification. And why? Because Baker Mayfield threw a hospital pass and, and he got flipped over on his head in week two? Like, I mean, what has he done to deserve this kind of treatment? I have no idea. I don't know. And another thing Is that I need... Is Jones that great? Not really. I mean, he's, he's okay, but... Uh, another thing that I need to point to, and, uh, you know, I'm not going to say that he's completely blameless, blameless, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Baker Mayfield. The fact that he has regressed as much as he has this year, to me, is an indictment on the way he's being coached. And that, again, leads to Freddie Kitchens. Baker Mayfield didn't just forget how to throw the football. He didn't just forget how to be good. He was one of the best rookie quarterbacks that the NFL has ever seen. He set the NFL record. He broke Peyton Manning's NFL record for touchdown passes in a rookie season when he only started 13 games. The guy didn't just forget how to play. I think the biggest thing that everyone's going to focus on going into this off, you know, if we start getting closer to next year, I mean, we don't know with 100% certainty who's going to be back, if OBJ is going to be back, if some of the guys on defense are going to be back. We don't know with 100% certainty that John Dorsey's going to be here. I mean, certainly we would expect that he will be. Yeah. But we know for a fact that Baker Mayfield is going to be back. Yeah. And we're going to be talking in July and August about is Baker Mayfield really as good as his rookie year thought? Or is this really what we're going to be dealing with with yeah. him going going forward? And 
Year <coughs> three is going to be massive for Baker Mayfield. Yeah. It's, it's really going to define whether he does become a superstar in this league or if he's just, you know, another eh quarterback and just good enough to keep him around, but not enough to really build a championship contender. And this around. is um, th- this is something that I, I was I that as we went through the week and even before the game that I wanted to bring up um, about Freddie Kitchens was this Freddie Kitchens elevation head coach reminds me. Tell me if you agree with this. Reminds me a lot of what happened in San Francisco before Kyle Shanahan was hired, when Jim Tom Sula. The defensive line coach was elevated to head coach for one season. He went from position coach to head coach. Lasted one season. And then what happened? They went out and they got it right. You know, it took him a they took him a year or two because, you know, they got Jimmy Garoppolo, but then he had the 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 torn ACL and then that season was shot. But this reminds me of the 49ers before they got Kyle Shanahan as their head coach when they made the stupid decision after firing Jim Harbaugh to elevate Jim Tom Sula from defensive line coach to head coach. I think that's a really good analogy. And in the San Francisco situation, it was clear that ownership just acted very irresponsibly. For some reason, even though Jim Harbaugh was winning, they they couldn't – Wait to get rid of them? Yeah, I guess they just had that toxic of a working. Well, they actually, they actually. Now that I think about it, it was Jim Harbaugh. Then it was actually Chip Kelly was their coach for a year. Yes, for two years. They they brought Chip Kelly in, and he, I think they were okay the first season, but then they were terrible. Then they bombed out. So and they let him go, and that's when they elevated Jim Tom Sula, the head coach from defensive line coach. Yeah, it just shows that you got to get your head coach hires right, and when you have a decent coach, actually don't like alienate him and make him want to leave. Yeah. Well, so the Browns are going to have a really big decision to make because um, it's ob- and I think we could go on for another half an hour talking about this, but um, I think it's it's pretty obvious that the players are not um, in full belief of uh, Freddie Kitchens. Um, last week, Jarvis Landry got into it with him on the sidelines. This week, it was Odell Beckham Jr. Um, I just don't think there's a lot of respect. Uh, as oh, there's no respect for for Freddie as a head coach. I mean, there's stuff happening on the sidelines now yeah. that right. I mean, and and what I loved actually is that Beckham went over to Kitchens after the failed two point conversion and basically just cussed him out. Right. Basically said, "What you don't know basic math? Yeah. What the hell is the matter with you?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're you're inferring there a little bit, but but I could I could say you're you're, you're pretty you're you're pretty close on, on I'm sure what was said. I'm sure he's a little. Some choice words that we're not going to use on this uh, program, but um, yeah, I just yeah, it was it was either that or he was like, "Why in God's name would you call a pass play to Ricky Seals Jones when I literally just scored that touchdown for you? Just throw me the ball." Yeah, he's so he's very self centered too. He <coughs> could have been that he wanted well, the ball he's number right one, back. All number one receivers are. Yeah, you know, they all they all think that they're yeah, open. If, on every if that's what play. he said, I I mean, I guess that's a little bit less permissible. But if he if he was going after him for for going for two, then like. I mean, the media is going to be unhappy with him for going after Kitchens publicly on the sideline again. But, I mean, if you're, if you're dumb enough to go for two when you're down by nine, that's what you get. This is the worst. It's over. We are screwed. <laughs> and that sums it up. So, uh, Steve, let's, uh, let's make ourselves feel a little bit worse. And uh, let's, talk, let's go around the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. <coughs> well, we got to go back to yesterday, actually, because there were three games played Yeah, yesterday. I totally forgot that, that uh, um, the last two weeks of every season, uh, the NFL plays games on Saturdays. So starting with uh, in Tampa, the Texans pulled out a close one against the Buccaneers, 23-20. to yep. uh, Both of these were teams that have been playing pretty well of late. Um, Buccaneers yep. fall to 7-8 and eight with that. Texans, meanwhile, uh, clinched the AFC South title with that win. Boy, you know what? We lament the fact that Baker Mayfield's thrown a lot of interceptions this year, but my God, could you imagine? And, and granted, Jameis has thrown for more touchdowns than Baker, but could you imagine having Jameis Winston as your quarterback and essentially going into every game assuming he's going to throw two or three picks. Man, or, must, or in Saturday's case, yesterday's case, he threw four. And it must be the Buccaneers just put, and Jameis Winston puts fans into cardiac arrest. I mean, oh my he makes so many big plays, and then he makes so many bad plays. I mean, could too. you imagine Could you imagine playing defense for the Bucs? You literally have to be on your edge and ready to go into the game at any point. I would never take my helmet off. I mean, you could, you could come off the field uh, off a seven... You know, a seven-minute drive you just gave up and say you gave up a field goal and be like, oh, well, that's a win. They only got three points, and they had the ball for seven minutes. You go to the sidelines, and it's first and ten bucks, and uh, boom, interception. You go right on the field. And you get and you just stand out there in that you know, <coughs> West Florida humidity. Yeah. You know, you want to take your helmet off, but it's like, no, you don't want to because you might back around on the field. Right. But anyway, Houston is going to the playoffs. They, they are AFC South champion. Uh, another division was decided later in the day. The Patriots, 24, the Bills, 17. Uh, that gives the Patriots the AFC East title for the umpteenth year in a row. Buffalo will now be the five seed. They'll be uh, actually looks like they're headed for a date against Houston in the in the wild card playoffs. Uh, that's going to be an interesting game. Two teams with pretty good defense. And then in the nightcap yesterday, you had the 49ers outlast the Rams 34 to 31. San Francisco is now. It's basically going to be all in for that final game against Seattle next week to see if they end yep. up with either the one seed or the five seed Crazy. in the NFC. That's, that's a, that is unbelievable. We could have a team that's 12-4 and four be the five seed. Yeah, could happen. I mean, it's happened before. You know, yeah. I remember Indianapolis went out True. to San Diego one year when they were just 8-8, eight and eight, and they actually got beat by the Chargers in that wild card game. True. Um, speaking of the Seahawks, they're playing the Cardinals right now, and it's seven-seven midway through the second quarter. You would expect the the Seahawks to win that one. Um, if they don't, they could still win the division if they beat the Niners next week, but that would probably impact their ability to end up with a bye. Right. I'm not sure exactly what that is because it's pretty crowded at the top of the NFC. Boy, the NFC is just absolutely stacked this year. It's very very deep, particularly at the top. Um, very quickly going through some of the meaningless games here. The Falcons defeated the Jaguars 24-12. to Atlanta seems to be riding the ship a little bit here toward the end of the year. I think that's their third win in a row. Um, the Colts won today 38-6 to over the Panthers. The Panthers have completely mailed it in here. Um, very, very disappointing how their year is ending. Indianapolis, meanwhile, continues to be the team you just can't project from week to week. They looked awesome this week. Uh, the Giants... In a performance that will probably win Matthew his first fantasy football title ever, uh, defeated the Redskins 41-35. I say that because Saquon Barkley went absolutely crazy today, had 46 fantasy points. Yep. Uh, my brother's loving that. Um, in a game that went overtime, Dan, you said that this was bonus football that nobody really wanted or needed to see. Um, Miami defeated the Bengals on a field goal at the buzzer 38-35. 
that means that the Bengals for sure will have the first pick in the NFL draft as they only have Joe Burrow. Win. Come on down. Yeah, great. We got to deal with him in the AFC North now. Yeah. Um, looking back uh, further down the meaning. Although I will line, say this, stop, I will say this. Cincinnati, a team that desperately uh, needs a quarterback in the future, don't they seem like a team that could be enticed to trade down? No. You don't think so? No. Mike Brown is notoriously cheap. I don't think he's that stupid. He's pretty dumb, but I don't think he's that dumb. Okay. (laughs) You're talking about about the only team that has has a longer streak of not winning a playoff game than the Browns. Yeah, I know. Anyway, um, the Lions and the Broncos are also playing. That's 10-10 at halftime out in Denver. Now to the games that kind of sort of matter, and then ultimately to the games that matter a lot. Um, also in the 4 o'clock window right now, the Raiders are leading the Chargers 14-7. to That game only matters because of a whole bunch of other results that happened today. The Raiders are still technically alive. Because the Browns lost. Because the Browns lost, the Colts were winners, and then... These two other results that I'm about to get to happened. The Saints defeated the Titans 38-28. to That leaves New Orleans. Uh, they were third seed in the NFC coming into this week. They're continuing to put pressure on both Seattle and Green Bay with that victory. The Titans, meanwhile, fall to 8-7. and seven, But actually, they now have the tiebreaker in the advantage for the sixth seed because their loss was to an NFC opponent. And the team they were chasing, the Steelers, mm-hmm. lost to the Jets, 16 mm-hmm. to 10. The Jets have been a tough team to beat on their home field. They've knocked off some good teams at, in the Meadowlands this year. Wait, are you, are you telling me that uh, that if the Titans win next week, that the Steelers are out? That's correct. Oh yeah. That's that's a fact. Yeah, the Steelers now have yeah. a. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you one thing. The one saving grace about this season is if the Steelers don't make the playoffs. And then I will be drinking. Oh, a little bit of the bubbly. <laughs> you also get to do your uh, favorite Pittsburgh-ism, I'm sure, if that were to happen. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, Pittsburgh! Woo! <laughs> hey, hey, Pittsburgh. <laughs> if, the, if the Steelers don't make the playoffs next week, this is going to be me. Super Bowl! Super Rounds! Yeah! <laughs> For, I, I don't know why. It'll but. just mean that they suck as bad as we do, which, yeah, is, right. which is all good. Um, <laughs> hey, Pittsburgh. If you don't wear brown and orange, you don't matter. <laughs> Again. Stupid. I'm never going to be able to play that that thing anymore. <coughs> no, you won't. Good morning! Good afternoon! <laughs> and good night, Pittsburgh! So before this gets oh, completely sorry. hijacked too badly, um, <coughs> huge game is going on right now in Philadelphia. The Eagles and the Cowboys are de facto playing for the NFC East title. The Eagles currently lead 10-3 to late in the second quarter. Well, a lot of my family members out in Pennsylvania are girded up for this one. They're certainly hoping the Eagles pull this one out. If the Cowboys win it, it will basically 
I guess keep Jason Garrett employed for another week. So if the Cowboys win, they do win the NFC East. Yes, it would be for if sure. If the Eagles they, win, then things get screwy the last week. Dallas right? would still hold the tiebreaker, I believe, because they've not lost another game in the division all year. Right. Uh, so they would still be able to backdoor their way to a division title if the Eagles were to lose next week. Right. Okay. Okay. Anyway, going to the Sunday night game, that is the Chiefs against the Bears. The Bears have been eliminated. The Chiefs will need to win to stay in front of the Texans, I believe, in the AFC seeding structure. Um, Also, if they want any chance at the second seed, they'll have to win as well. So all the onus is on Kansas City in that one. And then Monday night, this is big. Packers, 11-3, going to Minneapolis to play the Vikings, 10-4. Ooh, that's like a def- that's basically the same thing that we're seeing in the NFC East today. That's a de facto NFC North title game. Yeah, and even more so for uh, uh, Minnesota because Minnesota doesn't have a, a playoff seed um, clinched yet, so they need to win. Actually, now they do because oh, the they Rams do. were defeated yesterday. Oh, okay. So yeah, the Vikings well, will worse be the sixth seed, but they could be the two seed, or hell, they might even be able to be the one seed if they beat. Well, actually, no, they lost to Seattle head-to-head, so they won't be able to do that. But they'd be able to move up as far as second, I believe. You are fake news. <laughs> so I have is, to cheer myself up somehow because that's where we stand. But I'm again, so depressed. With regard to the Browns, at the beginning of the day, you needed like an eight-game parlay to somehow still... This is why we buried the Browns officially last week. Right. Because we didn't think this like was Like Closing possible. Time is our intro song, yeah. But... The Jets beat the Steelers. Yep, check. check. The Saints beat the Titans. Check. check. Uh, Indianapolis somehow was still involved. I don't know how, but they, they beat the Panthers. Check. Check. So, really, at this point, you were down to beating the Ravens today, beating the Bengals next week, and then you would have needed the Steelers to lose to the Ravens next week, and you would have needed the Titans to lose to the Texans. And the Titans and Steelers were both playing on the road against good teams. It would have been theoretically possible. Well, so here, here's the and, and yeah, and here's the biggest part about it: if the Browns would have taken care of their own business. And listen, I'm not saying that the Browns should have just woke up and won the game today. I know who they were playing against. The Ravens were 12 and two. I'm just saying, if you want to get to the playoffs, you have to be able to win these games. If the Browns had won today, it would have forced the Ravens to play all of their guys against the Steelers next week because they'd still be playing for the number one seed. Right, because New England won this week. Now it's wrapped up, and uh, they may not. I, I would get, They have the number one seed wrapped up. I think they'd be complete morons to play Lamar Jackson against Pittsburgh. They won't do that. Right, exactly. No. So now it doesn't matter. But like you said earlier, uh, yeah. Pittsburgh might be playing against Baltimore's backups, so it might be an easy win for them. But it doesn't matter if they win because if Tennessee wins... Good morning! Good afternoon! And good night, Pittsburgh! And the, oh, and the Titans... So the Titans are in almost the exact same situation as the Steelers. The Steelers aren't getting much of an advantage because Houston is already in the playoffs as well. Right. They're probably not going to be busting it against Tennessee either. Right. So the Steelers, they really screwed up by losing to the Jets today. Um, when was the last time the Steelers didn't go to the playoffs two straight years? It has to be before Ben Roethlisberger. I have not the slightest idea. Yeah, but anyway, this isn't a Steelers podcast, so screw them. I'll, I hope they don't. I hope well, I'll tell you what, if this was a Steelers podcast, it'd be just as 
miserable as this one. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, Pittsburgh. I just need, I just need any, uh, any excuse. I love how this has just turned into a rag on Pittsburgh show. <coughs> oh, I could do is, that. I could do that every week. Which is great. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, and hopefully, uh, uh, Baltimore. Uh, wakes up with a little hangover in the divisional round. Whoever they who would the, who would Baltimore most likely play in the divisional round? Well, uh, the four versus five game is going to be Houston versus Buffalo. Which I, I got to tell you, neither one of those teams would be the easiest of outs. They play good defense, especially the Bills. Right. Um, I don't think it's going to necessarily be an easy road for right now. If the Titans or whoever ends up sixth ends up upsetting Kansas City. Assuming Kansas City stays third, right, 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 then right, they right. get a gift. It and they, they would, they would, that'd be a yeah. big gift, actually. Yeah. But I wouldn't expect Kansas City to lose to Tennessee or to, to Pittsburgh or whoever it's going to be. That would be a shocker. Right. Uh, all righty. So uh, that's pretty much get, you covered all the games, right? Yeah. Okay. So that's pretty much going to do it for us this week. Uh, major revelation of today's episode, Steve was dragged kicking and screaming across the finish line, and he's now on team hashtag Freddy out. Hashtag Freddy out. Um, if you don't know basic math, you shouldn't be an NFL head coach. Oh yeah, I, I knew that. I, you, you being an accountant major, accounting major at BG. No, <laughs> I know, if 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 the guy if the guy doesn't know math, he can't be the coach. Oh man, you're the CEO, basically the CEO of a major corporation. Yeah. And I, well, anyway, so uh, yeah, there really isn't any point to do any more shows because the Browns game next week. Next week means absolutely nothing. But we will be back on next week after the Browns uh, finish their season with Cincinnati to kind of do a uh, season recap, as painful as that's going to be. Uh, we'll go through every game. We'll talk about the highs and lows of the games and uh, what could be uh, a very interesting uh, Black Monday, as they call it in the, in the NFL, for the Cleveland Browns, which is uh, the day after the regular season where uh, coaches that do end up getting fired – Get fired on that day. Yeah, you got. Sometimes it actually happens the Sunday of the last game. Yeah, you so. you could have another four, five, <coughs> six teams potentially firing coaches. You've already oh, had absolutely. two. You've already had two do so. Washington and Carolina. Um, both of those are obvious why they did. Yeah. So the NFL, the NFL, a lot of people say stands for not for long, and that 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 applies to players' career lengths, and that also applies to. <laughs> you never heard that before? No, I don't know if I've ever. Oh yeah, <laughs> NFL stands for not for long. I mean, the average, the average. I've heard no fun league. Well, that too, but the NFL has since kind of become lax on uh, post uh, touchdown celebrations, so um, there really isn't that anymore. But. Uh, yeah, not for long. Uh, players' average career lengths are not very long in the NFL, and uh, certainly uh, the average tenure of an NFL head coach is not very long. So um, I would say generally probably a quarter of the NFL every year um, uh, over overturns their head coach. So I would expect to see six to eight uh, coaches get replaced uh, this year. So a couple of them are, have already happened. But – that's going to do it for us this week. Like I said, tune in next week for a season recap show. Um, still haven't decided whether there's going to be an LOTL this week with uh, Christmas being on Wednesday. Um, so stay tuned for that. Uh, check out our social media uh, accounts for any updates on that. Uh, Steve, I want to appreciate, uh, appreciate you being on with me again uh, for this. Always my pleasure, Dan. And uh, we'll be back next week for a uh, season recap show. So... 
Uh, for Steven, I'm Dan. Uh, you've been listening to the LOTL Deerfield Gridiron Browns postgame show, and we will catch you guys uh, next week for the end of the season show. See ya. Bye.